I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here, so much more importantly, the author of 16 wonderful books and uh, the subject of a documentary. Of course, radio show host and podcast host, and before that, a uh, long uh, subject of a long radio series, and that's what led us here to her hosting her own podcast, radio show, and without further ado, Florence Weinberg, how are you? I'm doing fine, Frank. Uh, getting pretty feisty today, so uh, so I'm going to let my audience have it today. All right. Well, I was going to say, you're doing fine. How's the Republican Party doing? Well, uh, I'm going to maintain that the Republican Party is floundering. <laughs> and I know that some of my listeners, perhaps, if they haven't already been turned off, <laughs> will get uh, up in arms about that statement. I, I, but, I think uh, most I, of the Republicans have left our audience already. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they went back to Fox News. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Newsmax. And, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I'll get going, and I'm going to read this uh, because. Uh, there are many things that I might forget if I just did it off the cuff. Actually, I wrote it off the cuff, but, but now that it's all down on paper, I will read it. Here we go. Okay, are we ready? Yes, we are. All right, here I go. The Republican Party is floundering. It has been in trouble as a minority party since the turn of this century with the election of George W. Bush, thanks to a puzzling vote of the Supreme Court, elect, uh, electing him over Al Gore. Gore won the popular vote, and get this, I didn't know it was this much, by 543,895 votes. Wow. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But he did not win the Electoral College because ours is not a pure democracy. All votes are not equal. Far from it. Votes cast in states that have a large number of Electoral College delegates weigh far heavier than your vote or mine. Since the Republican Party is well aware of the problem, whenever it is in the majority in any state, it hastily gerrymanders the voting districts to diminish the impact of Democratic votes. Uh, the Voting Rights Act, by the way, was passed by LBJ, uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson, in 1965, Texas. and weakened. Yeah, and weakened bit by bit by the Supreme Court in the past nine years, until it is now virtually toothless. Gerrymandering continues unfettered, or almost, unless a, a specific suit is brought against it in any state. Otherwise, it flourishes, and this tends to guarantee a Republican majority in the Electoral College and, consequently, in the House of Representatives. That is why there can be a huge imbalance in favor of the Democratic Party in the popular vote, but a majority of electors for the Republican Party in the Electoral College. In recent years, since 2008, when Barack Obama was elected to the presidency, Senate Party leader Mitch McConnell swore that he would make Obama a one-term president. 
and nothing much could happen uh, in the Republicans' favor during Obama's first term because the House was under Democratic control. But in 2012, uh, the Democratic Party lost the majority in the Senate, and McConnell went to work using the filibuster, which requires a 60-vote majority to be overridden. He led his party members in the Senate to block any and all Democratic or even bipartisan bills that came from the Democratic House. Only purely Republican bills passed. In effect, he made Obama a one-term president. And here is what E.J. Dion, in a recent editorial, which came out only yesterday, um, in my paper anyway, in the Express News, this is what Dion says about the filibuster, and I'm quoting him now. The Senate filibuster, requiring 60 votes on most issues, enhances the power of a minority to veto majority opinion. After the 212 slaughter at Sandy Hook Elementary School, the Senate voted 54 to 45 in favor of an amendment on background checks crafted by Senators Joe Manchin, Democrat of West Virginia, and Patrick Toomey, Republican of Pennsylvania. Hardly a liberal duo. Those 54 senators, representing 63% of the population, were not enough to overcome an opposition speaking for just 37% of the nation. It is hard to find a starker example of how the Senate vastly overrepresents the attitudes of rural states and the minority. Unquote. So, in addition to gerrymandering and the filibuster, uh, whenever a state is under Republican leadership, strict voter suppression laws are enacted, uh, as in Texas, for instance. Uh, in in Georgia, um, which is similar to Texas and what it has done, no food and water for voters standing for hours in line to vote. That would be an, a, a crime for which you would be arrested. Few, if any, voting boxes uh, can can be outside the polls themselves. Can can still exist. Early voting is restricted, shortened. Hostile post-poll watchers are recruited. Redistricting and, uh, redistricting and absentee and mail-in ballots are restricted. Um, uh, I should simply say absentee and mail-in ballots are restricted. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, no. Photo ID requirements are, in, are enacted. Anything to weed out especially voters of color and the poor. In 2016, Donald Trump came along, appealing to those without higher education and uh, living in rural and, and sometimes also in urban uh, areas who were gun lovers, uh, lots of gun lovers among them, even fanatical ones, um, and uh, anti-establishment anti voters, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> under Trump, the NRA and gun lobby went wild, and so did mass shootings. No action at all was taken until very recently uh, when the Senate managed to pass um, 
a, a weak bill. So nothing has been uh, enacted to ban AR-15s and AR-47s, which continue to be the, the uh, weapon of choice for mass murderers, or to enact any other controls, such as background checks and red flag laws. So we have a weak uh, bit of legislation that managed to squeak through, but it's, it's not enough really to help with this problem. So we have gerrymandering, voter suppression, the filibuster, and then we have Fox News. Uh, Rupert Murdoch and his family moved here from Australia and resolved to curtail American democracy in any way possible, apparently, along with other like-minded millionaires, all of whom chafed against tax laws, which they avoided, and other restrictions on industrial expansions, such as monopolies, resolved to create a propaganda machine that would appeal to the masses and safeguard their interests. And they succeeded. With entertainment programs, sports broadcasting, and right-wing propaganda, uh, they have um, they have uh, appealed to a majority um, who want entertainment and sports and all of those wonderful things. So here in Texas, Fox is about the only station I see on TV sets. When I drop into pubs or cafes or gyms, even this morning, all the uh, uh, all the TVs were tuned to Fox. And Walmart's and other areas in, in large uh, in large stores, you know, you know, vast stores like that, um, uh, are also showing Fox. Wherever masses of people to get people gather here in Texas, anyway, it's Fox News, so-called news. And since I began recording these po- podcasts, and how long is that, Frank? Is that three years now? Yeah, I think it's three years. Yeah, I think so. I've been denouncing Fox as a propaganda tool that sees no harm in lying. After all, the president they supported, Donald Trump, lied continually, and everybody knew it, maybe except for those who who are glued to Fox and only Fox, where the lies were repeated and perpetuated. And this was especially true when Trump lost the election to Biden. Recent revelations have shown that the Fox talking heads, like Hannity and Carlson, and a bevy of attractive ladies, in their private conversations, texts, and emails, have commented on the lies they're broadcasting to the public. They all know what they're purveying is false, and yet they agree that it is for the ratings and, and profit uh, that they uh, that they will continue pushing the lies, the Trumpist lies. Their ratings fell when they correctly called Biden the winner of the uh, last presidential election in Arizona. Yeah. Therefore, Trump's lies must be continued and amplified because they would lose um, they would lose ratings and profit. So it's a matter of money and popularity. And even Nikki Haley, who's now running for president, is towing the Trump line at a time when Trump himself is fading in the polls. But Trumpism lives on. 
uh, Nikki, she who lowered the Confederate flag from the state flagpole, has knelt to a line she knows is a lie. But it's not just Fox. The entire Republican Party is in disarray and has been increasingly so. A symptom was the fact that in the past election, it didn't bother to create a platform. It simply declared that it would do whatever Trump wanted. <laughs> Not only was this shockingly lazy, it was a tacit admission that they knew Trump would do whatever he pleased, no matter what the official platform said. <laughs> the party was totally enslaved to the master. Right now, it's seeking a new one. Uh, I think this sort of undercover, because uh, Trump is running for president, and they uh, they all seem to be towing his line. They're towing his line. There's no doubt about that. But they're kind of looking over the fence at people like DeSantis. Um, so the, the party is in control of the House, sort of, <laughs> by a tiny margin. Sort of. And Kevin, and Kevin McCarthy has gained the speakership only by accepting every demand from the ex extreme right, which is now running the House. And Marjorie Taylor Greene seems to be the actual speaker, whether the majority of House Republicans agree with her or not. It's a pitiful state for the party, if it weren't so dangerous. The rest of the world is watching, amazed and puzzled that our country, supposedly a democracy, has come to a state of gridlock. We can't even agree on supporting or not supporting Ukraine, even though a concession to Russia would begin a landslide encouragement for totalitarian aggression in the present world and potential demise of democracy in the future in, in the world at large. So I'm ending this screed by asking my audience, so what can I do, what can you do about all this? Wow. Well, so, a lot there. I'm, open, I'm opening this for discussion now, Frank. <laughs> well, you know, first of all, I, you know, I'll mention that when I came to, uh, to see you the uh, one time a few years ago, uh, I was all over Texas. I was in Austin. I was in uh, in in Dallas or, or near, uh, and I was in uh, uh, Houston, as well as San Antonio. And I I went up and down the state, and every hotel that I stayed in, when you were in the lobby, uh, proudly playing was was Fox News, right? It yes. was it wasn't even there was not even a a, a sniff or a whiff. Of CNN or or MSNBC, CNBC, you know none of that. It's it's clearly you can tell from uh, from everywhere you look around. It is a it, you know it is a red state at heart. It's a red state. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you you asked like, what can you do? What can someone do to uh, to to change this? Change what goes on? And you think about it. You know, you mentioned Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin mm -hmm. is—he represents Kentucky. So, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the West fine. Virginia. Oh, I'm sorry, West, West, Virginia. Uh, what, West Virginia. Forgive me. That's uh, Rand Paul, right? Is a, uh, um, mm -hmm. yeah, is uh, is is over there. Um, but uh, yeah, so Manchin represents West Virginia, which is a very 
conservative state. Right? Very, right. So it's it's nearly impossible to beat a guy like Manchin in the in the general election. I mean, the Republican would have to go far to the right, and they don't want to lose Manchin necessarily to Republicans. They they've got him. You know, they've got him on on key things. Why waste their resources there? If the Democrats want to take Manchin out, the problem is that they could beat him in a primary. They probably can, right, beat him in a primary, as long as it's not an open primary state. So <clears throat> Democrats could take out Manchin, but they take him out by running to the left. So the problem is that they beat him, but then the, the Democrat running to the left loses to the Republican. So you're just handing the Republican uh, every vote. Right, the Republican Party, every single vote, rather than most of the votes that they need from from Joe Manchin. So, right. you know that is that's a problem that uh, that's a problem that exists. Um, the when the Democrats had Joe Manchin elected, um, it was a it was a death knell for that state, uh, for you know for the Democratic Party in that state because Manchin is is basically the top Democrat in. Uh, <coughs> in, in uh, West Virginia. And how can you possibly, um, how could you possibly point to Joe Manchin and say, boy, that, that's the Democratic platform right there. So, I mean, it's a, yeah. you know, it's, it's a problem that there doesn't seem to be a solution for in West Virginia. And Manchin is, a, you know, and, and Kirsten Cinema, that might be a different story. Arizona is, is not the same state that um, that West Virginia is, but it is, you know, listen, it's pretty right, you know, pretty right yeah, it's, state. Yeah, it's definitely split, yes. Yeah, but it's mm -hmm. different than it's different than West Virginia. Um, secondly, the the Democratic Party has, uh, has serious problems themselves. The extreme left of the, uh, of the Democratic Party uh, could be compared to the the, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, you know, and uh, the extreme right of the Republican Party, and they can be compared with, um, you know, the Gang of Four. The, some people call them the Gang of Four, uh, the Squad, um, mm -hmm. and that's the uh, uh, Omar and uh, uh, Talib, and you know, now they've expanded to, you know, to six. Uh, uh, AOC is in there, and and yeah. so forth. So the Republicans could say, hey, you got your problems too. You got Tlaib, you got Omar. And and some of the, look, I mean, it's anti-Zionism for sure, but you can make an argument that some of their rhetoric is anti-Semitism uh, also. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's very dark and it's very, uh, very anti-Israel. And, and again, that's a whole conversation for another, uh, for another time. But that's the problem that the Democrats have. If they go yeah. too far left, that will never play. Mm -hmm. That will never play to the uh, to the masses. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yes, uh, yes, indeed. And I have known someone who was a professor at MIT and a very wonderful person who was very, very Jewish, uh, and yet he was anti-Israel because of its uh, stance against Palestinians and Palestine, and. Uh, he was pro um, a state, a Palestinian state, and he wrote and uh, and uh, lectured and all of this. He was he was actually, I think, in the physics department. I'm not sure, but in any case, uh, uh, he was a Jew who was very much anti the policy of Israel. So he was definitely not anti-Semitic, 
but he was, as I say, he was against the uh, Netanyahu government at that point. Um, he passed uh, about a year ago, I think, maybe two by now. But he was a major voice, uh, pro-Palestinian. Uh, so there you are. Even Jews themselves are divided over that issue, um, and so it's not uh, it, it's not simple. It's not simple. There are those who believe that justice is not being done in the Palestinian question, and who are trying are working um, to get justice done for them in the form of their own government. So there you are. It's uh, it's an interesting dilemma there. Yeah. And, and you're, nothing, you're... nothing is simple, really. Nothing is simple in this in this world. <laughs> yeah, no, no question about it. And uh, and by the way, uh, I don't I don't feel that everyone is that's anti-Zion Zionist or anti-Israel is anti-Semitic. I know Jews, uh, proud <laughs> Jews, that are um, uh, against Netanyahu, and uh, yeah. uh, that doesn't make them uh, anti-Semitic. But the argument is is harder. Uh, when you're coming from Talib and Omar, because they're not Jewish, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, uh, That's but, true. Yeah, yes. that, it's it's just a difficult situation over there. Um, but anyway, but that to me is uh, that is a problem. It's the extremes of the two parties that uh, that sometimes balance each other out. So if you you know like if you want to make an argument to uh, middle of the road people. Um, and they, they see Marjorie Taylor. I, I can't imagine anyone. I, I can't imagine anybody in the world voting for Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greene. I, I just I can't uh, <laughs> fathom, you know, checking a box or pulling a lever. Um, you know, uh, it, it, to me, uh, it's just it's unfathomable that um, that, uh, you know, that something like that could get elected. someone like that, I should say. Uh, could get elected. I just, I never, uh, I, 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 I don't understand anything that she does or says. Uh, she's, she's dumb. She's so extreme, and she, mm-hmm. uh, and, and she, she's playing to the lowest common denominator. And yes. to me, yeah, with with Omar and Talib, they're not necessarily d- dumb by any means. They're they're extreme. They're extreme left, but they're you know there's some intelligence there and. Uh, and and whatever I'm I'm not a supporter of of either either extreme, but I'm not a supporter of Talib or Omar or whatever. But uh, Marjorie Taylor Green is I I mean she's from another planet to me, and um, and she seems <laughs> yes. to be uh, she I, in fact she would scare the aliens if the aliens came and somebody said take us to your leader and and they were in her district. I I, I know we we couldn't have. Uh, any belief that they would have no belief that there's intelligent life on this planet. I mean, if Marjorie Taylor Greene, she is beyond comprehension to me that she could be elected to to public office, that she could be a public Yeah, I I, I agree. And yet in her district, there must be a majority of people who are so Trumpist that they believe every lie that comes out of Fox News. Um, and uh, so they support her because uh, she uh, she goes even farther than Trump does, uh, as you say, and and she's pretty stupid about it also. And yet she has um, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, 
um, behind the eight ball because her one vote could uh, divest him of that office that he so desperately wanted. Yeah. Uh, so she's dangerous. She's very dangerous. You know, there's an expression in there's an expre- uh, expression in politics and and many other many other facets of life. But uh, w- one of the expressions is "follow the money." And mm-hmm, yes. And you, you know, you wonder um, why certain things happen, and you say, "Well, follow the money." I heard stories that that prior to election day, that Rupert Murdoch. And, and I don't know that this is true. I don't have confirmation. But it came from pretty good sources. There were articles out there that said that Rupert Murdoch publicly called Donald Trump a moron. And, yeah. and publicly, meaning to um, newspaper publishers. I think the New York Times was there. I think even the Post was there. And that Rupert Murdoch uh, openly said this guy should not be president of the United States. Now, um, uh, you know, did you, I don't know that you heard those same uh, those same stories, but the the people would say, well, you made him president of the United States. You know, you made Donald Trump president of the United States. So, what, you know, like, why can you do this? And he continues to, to lay a platform for Donald Trump to survive. I don't know that Trump will. I think um, I, I think former President Trump is. Um, is is going to be just that former former president? I don't think he's ever going to get the Republican nomination again. Uh, I think his his trajectory is going down. He'll have his yes. you know thirty percent of the vote or whatever. I I just don't see uh, an avenue that Donald Trump is going to um, uh, is is going to flourish again. But uh, the you know Fox Fox News um, gives that platform. For Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, and Newsmax does it as well, um, you know maybe even more more so to the uh, to the extreme, mm-hmm. and it, you would say, well, why does Rupert Murdoch call Trump a moron if in fact that is true, and uh, and why does he think it's it's terrible for the country for Trump to be there yet he plays to to the Trumpist or the Trumpers, and you know it goes back to that expression I started with, follow the money. Fox News, mm-hmm. far and away, has better ratings, I think, than all of the other news stations combined. It yes, was that's true. At least at one point. But if you combined mm-hmm. all the Democratic-leaning um, stations, channels, um, MSNBC, uh, uh, CNN, and anything mm-hmm. else that falls in the category of the left or the, the middle, anything left of center, uh, Fox News... Uh, it almost doubles it, and, and yeah. that mm-hmm. that means that there's no possible way, and a company that big, multi-billion-dollar company that big, is going to um, uh, is going to stop playing to that that voter because that's their bread and butter. They're making a fortune mm-hmm. off of that. I just I, I'm maybe I'm too cynical, but I don't think there's any possibility that. That Fox News is ever going to give up that money for the good of the country or for for balance of the country or whatever. They're just not going to. It's money. Yes. Well, I, I tend to agree with that. Yeah. Uh, and although uh, the information is now available that uh, the Fox News talking heads have lied and lied and 
distorted the truth and, and on and on, even though they know exactly what they're doing. It is all for the money, as, as you say, um, for the ratings. And there are enough people um, in this country knowing that this, these are lies will go along with them anyway. Uh, but uh, I think there's another problem here, and that is that Fox News itself will never let it be known to the people who only watch Fox that they've been lying to them. So uh, a lot of people will never learn, and if they do, they won't believe it. <laughs> so, so we have a real problem there. And by the way, I gave a talk uh, to the um, a, a little club called uh, the Singles Friends at the uh, Methodist Church, a huge Methodist church here in uh, San Antonio last uh, Sunday. And my talk was about my last novel, which was The Choice, uh, and it was about 16th century France, yeah. <laughs> of all things. And it was about uh, a Protestant king of Navarre who was persuaded by one of his courtiers named Jean de Spond to convert to Catholicism in order to accede to the throne of France, which was restricted to Catholics only. And the king did uh, convert, reluctantly, but he did, and he became Henry the Fourth of France, who was one of the best kings France ever had. Maybe the greatest yeah, no, and he stopped the wars of religion, which had been ravaging the country. Thousands of people were killed. It was a civil war between the Protestants and the Catholics during almost all of the uh, of the 16th century. And uh, so that was the first good thing he did the year he became king, which was uh, 1589. Um, and then, because he was such a good king, and you might say he was a liberal. <laughs> In in our from our point of view, and so he was helping the poor, and he was uh, uh, increasing prosperity of the lower class, so that they could uh, become merchants and uh, live a little a little more easily, and so on. And so a Catholic fanatic uh, assassinated him as he was riding in a parade in a coach. A man named Ravayak simply jumped into the coach and stabbed him to death. Um, and so that was the end of the best king France ever had. And then his son, uh, Louis XIII, succeeded him, who was not a good king, and XIV also, who is the sun king and has all the, uh, the propaganda. Anyway, so I, this had nothing to do with politics. But I did read an, uh, a piece out of it, which was uh, about uh, one of the battles that was fought, the Battle of Coutras, and I think it was eight, uh, 1585. And uh, uh, the Protestants won the battle, but uh, uh, it, it shows uh, Jean de Spond, who was Protestant but wavering in, in his allegiance to Protestantism, um, was a knight fighting in that battle. And uh, one of the knights that he, on the opposing Catholic side, um, that he stabbed, turned out to be a good friend of his. He hears the uh, his friend's confession, 
the friend, knowing he's he's Protestant, nonetheless, since there's nobody else there, asks him to hear his confession, which he does. And the whole point of reading that was to show what the dilemma was and what the Civil War was all about. And then I, uh, at the end, after having read that, I talked a little bit about the evils of war and talked a little bit about Ukraine and about why we ought to, uh, ought to support U- Ukraine and why, because Ukraine um, really is a democracy and should be upheld or else the totalitarians in the world will take uh, heart and, um, and grab more power and probably attack other countries. Um, and so um, I should not have said anything of the sort because right afterwards a man popped up. In fact, it was the man who had introduced me to, uh, to the club, got up and started saying, well, uh, we have this heavy wind of, of left-wingers here. Uh, we need a correction. And so he went into a long discussion of why we should abandon Ukraine and why, um, why uh, Russia really had a right to Ukraine because it had been part of Russia during the Soviet Union and and and. And, uh, and so he turned this whole thing that had been about my book into a political battle. Wow. Uh, I did not reply to him. But after he sat down and the uh, various members of the audience said, uh, your views are uh, determined by the channel you listen to, <laughs> one of them remarked. <laughs> Anyway, uh, when he sat down, and the, that was the end of the uh, session, everybody jumped up and ran away. They they left, and I sold a total of one book. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, uh, so that just shows how hot how hot people are about the issues in front of us, and why the gridlock is so intractable, and uh, and it really worries me because. We do need to get on with governing in this country. And uh, uh, we may not be able to do a darn thing for two years at least. So there we are. You know, the, the other thing that, you know, and I just I go back to expressions that we hear or to um, uh, I, cliches that we hear on politics and, and you know, a couple things that, that stand out to me is that politics is cyclical. So you know, if yeah. uh, if we're worried that you don't like politics, as and I'll give you another expression that might not be a cliche, but it's an inside uh, politics expression. They say if, in politics, if you don't like the way things are going, just wait. In ten minutes, everything could uh-huh. be completely different. And you just yeah. ask, uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy that, for example. I don't think he'd ever thought that he'd have to deal with Marjorie Taylor Greene, and <laughs> right. uh, and and it all went. Or ask the Republicans in general. This was supposed to be a tsunami, not a not a wave, but a tsunami, and it just didn't happen. Right. You know, the Democrats held on to uh, the Senate, right, or uh, held on to, uh, uh, you know, many of the seats that they thought were going out. 
Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and they just barely lost. I mean, what is it? Eight is it eight seats or a four seat majority in the uh, in the in the House, yeah, right? In the House, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and then uh, and and you know Biden is still there. Um, well, and he and he will be. And we don't know, you know, if he's uh, if he if he's running or not. But he's he will be there until you know he's got two more years left. So the Democrats are, are alive and well. And uh, it looked as though at one point, uh, I think before the uh, Supreme Court ruled uh, and, and did what they did, the unthinkable, and they, uh, they overturned Roe v. Wade, which I, I just never would have believed in a million years that that would be, or they, what they did with it was, I, I never believed that that would happen. When people used to say, you know, uh, you got to watch Supreme Court, you know, if it gets too Republican. I, I, and I was like, nah, we're in, you know, we're in a new century where, you know, maybe um, even 10 years ago, I, I said, oh, you know, it's 2010, you know, 2012. Nobody's going to take us back to the 50s or the, the 40s or something along those lines. And, boy, I couldn't have been more wrong when it uh most of us were yeah yeah i never thought i never thought we'd have this conversation that roe v wade would be uh in jeopardy and 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 you know complete jeopardy uh i just never thought that would happen yeah yeah well there it is yes and uh, and of course uh all kinds of shenanigans were pulled uh on the right uh to uh to elect these um uh, these right-wing judges to the Supreme Court. Uh, so there was a lot of dirty pool in, uh, involved in getting those men there that we uh, still don't know the, uh, the whole story to. Um, but, uh, but I know uh, from various editorials I have read uh, that, uh, that it is so, that uh, the... Uh, the road to a right-wing majority on the Supreme Court was not altogether kosher. Uh, so, anyway, we need to uh, we need to change the rules and uh, either enlarge the Supreme Court or uh, uh, or give them term limits or something. Uh, something needs to be done because uh, we have a total imbalance there. And the, re- the majority of the population of this country is democratic, as I pointed out in this little lecture I gave earlier. Uh, but the minority keeps winning, and it's winning by unfair means. Yeah, I just, I, you know, and, and when you talk about the Electoral College uh, being a problem, I mean, I, I, I'm sure that the majority of the people listening to us would agree with that. You know, and again, keep in mind that uh, they're probably left-leaning uh, for the most part. The people that I know that listen to you uh, regularly, listen to us regularly, um, are—they uh, do lean to the left, and they—and uh, they're progressive, or they're moderates, or whatever. But um, I, you know, they would—they would make the argument of of how is it ever going to change? Uh, we're not going to get rid of the electoral college, right? You would need a constitutional amendment. Is that right? Right, and that's three quarters of the um, of the uh, of the legislature. Um, I, how could that happen? I mean, it, uh, you know, to me, it just doesn't it doesn't sound realistic that it can happen. And I, you know, look when 
and I don't want to sound like uh, the prophet of doom or, or the, uh, the, uh, the, you know, the, uh, the glass is half empty, but I, I you know, you, you look back on, on the Plato's of the world and the, um, and the Socrates, and, uh, or, or as your, I, I think your uh, uh, teacher in, in grammar school, uh, Socrates, right? <laughs> you call him Socrates. Socrates. Socrates, yeah. <laughs> yes. So Socrates and Aristotle, uh, they, they spoke about politics the way it ought to be, rather than, and, and I could only see politics as the way it is. And, and yeah. again, yeah, I mean, it's nice to talk about the way it ought to be or whatever. But in my thoughts, uh, you know, how do you get it there? So, I mean, from a realistic standpoint, and you're very realistic, um, how do you see the Electoral College ever changing if, um, right. you know, if these things are there? I mean, it would be it, I, I don't even I, I can't even fathom that uh, that happening. And, and certainly I'm not disagreeing with you, uh, but I, how how does one expect the electoral college to ever be uh, abolished? Well, uh, the first step would be to uh, ensure that gerrymandering um, be forbidden so that no state can guarantee the seats in the House and in the electoral college to, uh, to one party either Democrat or Republican. And that would mean that it would be a fairer, um, there would be more of a chance for the electors going to the Electoral College would be a better representative of the people and the, and everybody's vote rather than lopsidedly uh, to the side of those who have gerrymandered their states. I mean, that would be step one. Yeah. Right. Well, that's that's you know. I mean, it's certainly uh, realistic, and uh, I mean, gerrymandering is a uh, is an ugly uh, term. It's you know, at its surface, uh, it, it is ugly. Um, you know, it's uh, it's gerrymandered. They're basically saying, how can I keep myself in power? Right. The uh, mm -hmm. um, the Congress uh, first. Uh, you know, is another one of these expressions that we always. Uh, point to, or that I always point to, is that uh, a congressman, con congresswoman, member of uh, the Senate, their first and foremost um, uh, plan or agenda is to get themselves reelected. So get mm -hmm. themselves elected again. So they are thinking in their minds, oh, you know, when they, when they draw the lines, uh, and that, that means gerrymander, when they draw the lines, we're going to draw it as well as uh, as we can to uh, to help ourselves, and it's I think it's every ten years they draw new and here in New York anyway they draw the lines every ten years, and mm -hmm. yeah uh, right yeah and I, I, that's uh, that's probably national right is that a national yes it is yeah. yeah so in New York every ten years, um, and the the party that's in power, uh, and now at this point it's the it's the Democratic Party, and um, and it's the far left of the Democratic Party the 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 Democratic Party um, in New York would never exp uh, never accept Beto O'Rourke as a uh, as a leader of the Democratic he's Party. Too far right. Yeah, he's too far right. You know, which is mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I, I think Beto O'Rourke's pretty down the middle, to be honest with you. But yep. Um, yep. but to New Yorkers, he is a 
you know, he is a right winger. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, not to not to New Yorkers, but yeah. to New York Democrats. The last yeah. Republican. Well, this, this is absurd because in uh, in Texas he's thought of as a raving liberal. Yeah, and <laughs> and our last Republican governor uh, was pro pro choice. Uh, George Pataki, pro-choice, pro-gun control, and uh, mm-hmm. and, and I mean he would be, he he's better or rock. I mean basically he's uh, um, George Pataki's positions would match up probably perfectly well with better or rock. You cannot be a yeah. right winger and uh, and get elected in New York. Lee Zeldin, I'll tell you that he ran against Kathy Hochul and and lost. And and by the way, had a tremendous amount of money, had a tremendous amount of support. He just couldn't he couldn't get out of New York City. New York City uh-huh. crushed him, and uh, and New York City is is very strong left. So where where Democrats may um, applaud that, um, you know, nationally, uh, they don't have to live here, and they're going further and further left. Now the Republicans, mm-hmm. when they were in charge here. Uh, in the in the Senate, they couldn't go far right. They couldn't go far right, or they would they would lose. You have to be yeah. a moderate Republican. So the thing is, like the the Democrats here uh, in New York would never be accepted by the Democrats by you, in uh, in Texas. It just it's it's unthinkable, and the Republicans here would never be accepted by the Republicans in Texas. You imagine a a, a pro choice um, and pro gun control pro gun control republican running uh, statewide in texas <laughs> certainly not well no. not as not as a republican absolutely not so uh, where 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 are we and i uh, and you gave a, a lovely um uh, you know uh, speech lecture as you call it and uh, and it, it certainly it, it makes a lot of sense, and I'm sure everyone listening, or the majority of the people listening, say, "Yeah, this makes an awful lot of sense." But but where do you go from here? What is what That's in it. your mind is is the next step? Um, you, you you've already said uh, you know abolish uh, gerrymandering. Go yep. beyond that. What's uh, what is your most realistic hope that can happen? Um, you know, obviously. Uh, I I imagine you would say number one priority is that there's no more Trump, right? That Trump doesn't uh, doesn't get there. But does that mean that Ron DeSantis, who has a lot of the same beliefs that Trump has, but is is, is less offensive um, on, on the surface than Trump, and probably won't tweet, and he probably won't whatever? So uh, as the progressives and the moderates uh, uh, who hate Trump cheer against Trump, are they paving the way? for Ron DeSantis to be elected president of the United States if, in fact, he decides to run? Yes. <laughs> the short answer right. is yes. Uh, that's what I'm afraid of. And uh, uh, DeSantis, what he has done in gutting uh, one of the colleges there, I forget uh, what the title name, the not title or name of that uh, university is, is, but he has simply... Uh, removed all the professors who were teaching normal subjects, history, for instance, um, American history, honestly, yeah. uh, and uh, and the board of trustees. He's replaced them with far right uh, wingers and so on. So he has actually met, meddled in the freedom of education in um, in Florida and 
acted as a dictator. And so I'm, I'm terrified that he will be uh, put up for the next president and will win um, because he is a potential dictator and he is smart. So, uh, so he will uh, see to it that he stays in power if he gets it, I suspect. Uh, so he may uh, he'll out Trump Trump because he is intelligent and he will manage to figure out how to uh, how to stay on uh, indefinitely. I fear uh, so there is that. But as far as remedies are concerned, the only other thing is, of course, get rid of the filibuster, and that I think might be possible. Right, that because, is realistic. Yeah. So uh, even some Republicans uh, know that the filibuster is uh, is a monstrosity uh, as it stands now. And then there's the voting rights bill uh, and the John Lewis bill. Uh, and if the Democrats ever get the majority in the House again, um, and the Senate uh, has a slight majority now, uh, so uh, uh, Manchin's vote... And cinema's vote, if she's still there, um, might not count so much. Um, uh, and uh, we might be able to pass the voting rights and the John Lewis bills. And if we do that, then we have a means of uh, seeing to it that the American voter, uh, that one vote, one man's vote will equal every other man's vote and woman's. Uh, and uh, so it will not be this uh, situation that we have now where you can stack the Electoral College. So I think I, I see that as the only possible way to go uh, for the future here. Well, it's, it's realistic. You, uh, I've always uh, said this about you. You're, you're realistic. I mean, you have your, uh, you, you have your hopes, you know, that, uh, you know, one that you will even say are a pie in the sky. Uh, and you didn't really touch on on too much of that uh, today, but you'll uh, you are realistic, and I think everything that you laid out there uh, is is not pie in the sky. And uh, you know certainly the filibuster and um, you know gerrymandering somewhere along the line. Electoral college to me at this point is uh, uh, abolishing that is uh, is pie in the sky, uh, short term. You know maybe long term. Right. It's uh, you know I, I don't know that. I don't know that I'll live to see that, to be honest with you, you know, but uh, but maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe it. it, it no, I think you're right. that In the short term, it's certainly uh, impossible uh, because uh, it requires three quarters of the states to agree uh, to uh, to abolish it. It's a change in the Constitution, and that's what any change in the Constitution requires. Uh, so uh, that's not in the cards for the, for the short term, maybe, as you say, in the long term, but it's a long time away. I probably won't be still alive by by the time it happens. Well, one of the things that I I thought is that there is a chance, and, and I, I think uh, folks that were thinking this way are le less optimistic after the trouncing that Greg Abbott gave uh, – gave Beto O'Rourke, but um, if Beto O'Rourke would have won, that maybe uh, people would have come from, you know, California uh, and, uh, you know, the people from the left 
and maybe even from Colorado, and they would come into Texas and give the the Democrats some hope or prayer that they could uh, that they could pull off Texas. If you could make Texas purple, like if if uh, if the Democrats really wanted to change uh, the world, rather than hoping for um, electoral college to go down, if they would have mm-hmm. went Texas, they wouldn't need their electoral college to uh, to change. If the Democrats yeah. win uh, win Texas, um, uh, they're going to win the presidency every time. Yeah, that's true. Texas has that many electoral college votes. Now, yes, but <laughs> that's a very long shot. Right, as it is now. Right. Well, you know, uh, I had hopes uh, that uh, there were enough immigrants from those states you mentioned, California. Colorado and maybe New York. I mean, you never know. I mean, I myself am an immigrant from Rochester, uh, yeah. and uh, not born there, but certainly I'd been there for 28 years. Uh, in any case, um, uh, so uh, I was hoping that there were enough of us uh, here in Texas that we could swing things a little bit. But nope, nope. The the rural vote uh, in Texas overwhelmed us. <laughs> yep. Well, Doc, uh, uh, great uh, points as always, and um, you know, it, look, it's uh, it's going to uh, uh, it, it's going to take uh, a lot to uh, to uh, ultimately wipe out the electoral college. But the other things you said, like I said, uh, are uh, you know are realistic. Uh, any any final word for us? Oh, well, I mean, uh, I think a lot of final words have been said already, but uh, all I can say is that hope springs eternal. <laughs> yeah. That we'll get some uh, some actual um, uh, equity going in this country and, uh, and get rid of this gridlock that we're in right now, uh, which is untenable. We can't continue as the major power in the world right now. Uh, without being able to legislate anything. It's absurd. So that's my hope, that we will break the gridlock and get start getting things done for the people of the United States and for the world, for that matter. Yeah, uh, we're the last great hope of, of, of the world and democracy, uh, you know, some people would argue. Uh, Frank McKay here, thanking everyone for listening each and every week. And uh, we know you have a lot of options, uh, but thank you. We certainly appreciate that. And binge listen to uh, to uh, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg, and I'm sure there's a lot of uh, a lot of shows that uh, that that would be meaningful uh, to you as listeners. So we encourage you if you've missed one, just look us up, and uh, and you'll find many, many, many shows. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on the Florence Weinberg Show.